Hey, Warriors, and welcome back to another episode of Warrior Within. I hope you guys have had a great week. Mine was pretty decent. Uh, nothing new in the house market area, but there's always hope. Uh, we're hoping to find something within the next couple months, at least, because we want to be able to not have to release with the apartment we're at. So keep praying that things will work out, that God will be completely going through all of this for us. No, like getting ahead of the plan for us. You know what I mean? So I do pray for that. So this week, uh, I wanted to talk about something that actually someone suggested. And it's kind of something I've actually talked about, but I talked about it probably within the first six months of when I started this podcast. And I also had hurt and anger a little bit that came out with it. And I've kind of talked about it maybe here and there, but the wordage that was used by the suggestion was actually spiritual abuse. Now, I don't really like using spiritual abuse per se because of the psychological sounding it sounds like, because I do think scriptures do have words that match what we're feeling. And at the same time, I know what this is like. And I have not experienced it once. I've experienced it several times. And I know what it's like personally, like towards me, but I also have seen it in other people who are also being treated not nice. And one of the things that I, I wanted to kind of talk about is starting where how I look at spiritual abuse and what the scriptures kind of show is is kind of connected to what Paul talks about quite often, uh, division and unity. And then the positive spinoff of it is humility. At the same time, he also mentions, well, I should say it's also mentioned in Matthew to be mindful of fruit. Now we know in the new Testament, we talk about false teachers. We talk about wolves, but we never really talk about the, the image of people who are being mistreated by the church or members of the church or the leadership, not because they are wrong, the person, but because the church is wrong and how they're dealing with situations. Now, we had made mention that there is rules and regulations of how to deal with someone in, in sin, purposely sinning and been uh, like spoken to and dealt with, but this is not about sin. This is not about the person being pushed out is in sin. This is more in my opinion of what the pur purpose of this talk should be about is about how the church and members and leaders all treat other people who were actually in the right. Now there's many stories you could probably go online and Google look up about churches. And I have mentioned one before in Florida where a pastor who was teaching, was teaching the truth, teaching the scriptures. And he's part of the Southern Baptist uh, convention they hired someone who was connected to the 
Southern Baptist Convention like leadership as an associate pastor, and that associate pastor sneaked it in, in a sneaky and deceitful way started building up a, I guess you could say, a posse of people who supported this, what I'm calling the more progressive movement that's coming into the churches versus what the pastor had planned. And they, I guess you could say, lied or deceptively tried to, in some ways, blackmail the pastor into something that he wasn't doing, but they said they would make it look like it. And so that pastor stepped away instead of he did it in his own terms, instead of uh, them going after him in a very, in my opinion, evil way of dealing with it. Now, when there's members questioning the leadership's role and why that pastor was gone, and this is kind of a short term, instead of them allowing them to ask the questions, they avoided trying to answer any of the questions or allow the membership to meet to question leadership. And so those people who were trying to figure out the truth of what was going on were actually being, and the word is gossiped, and also manipulated and exploited in some ways being, being the leadership was convincing the rest of the membership that these people were doing wrong or being divisive. It's, it's really a lot of things like this, this discussion could probably go on for hours because especially if I had someone, uh, who also went through it, like hearing their story, like everybody's story that you, if you were to ask them how they have kind of struggled or suffered through this type of spiritual abuse, there's a lot of stories, a lot and a lot, a lot of stories. And they're always slightly different, similar, same, you know, it's like a very interesting mix of understanding of what people have gone through. And every story is going to be the same results and not every story is going to have a happy ending. And not every story is going to have someone not fall, like fall into sin. There's not going to be every story is not going to be, you know, a pastor rise up from the ashes, like a Phoenix. Like there's so much that could possibly happen because of choices and how you deal with what happens to you. So to me, there's a lot of parts to this discussion that we can have a talk about now. However, what's interesting to me is the word division gets used a lot. A lot of times when someone starts standing up against the leadership or speaking against something that doesn't seem right, the first word that comes out of the pastor's mouth who doesn't like being put under microscope and to people who are loyal to the pastor versus God, they always use the word divisive or being divisional. Okay. So, Understanding that divisiveness does not necessarily, it, I will say this, for something to split is not a sin. Purposely creating division for the wrong reasons, that is sin. So in scripture, it does tell us not to be divisive, it tells us to be in unity unity in mind and thought. So if we go to Matthew 7, this is more for understanding how we should treat each other, okay? 
Starting <clears throat> verse 12 says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. But at the same time, this is what is also said later on, verse 15, to watch out for, or what you will see. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. We need to get that first. Okay. So divisiveness, the fruit is going to be bad. It's not going to look biblical. It's not going to have biblical reasoning. So, for example, a church that's following the scriptures, doing what they're supposed to be doing, and there's a group of people trying to push that we be more accepting to sins, such as certain lifestyles, and they should be in leadership, they should be treated like anybody else, and that they, you know, we should be loving more like Jesus because they love each other. That, however, however, how... <laughs> That perspective to me is divisive because it doesn't fit the scriptures. But now let's say this way, a church that the leadership and members who have voted have decided that allowing this alternate lifestyle people to be in leadership and that it's okay and we need to be more loving, accepting to them and not questioning their, their lifestyle because God loves everybody and that they don't want to define it as a sin. And then there's a group of people who are standing against the church saying, but that's not biblical. They're not being divisive. Do you see how the difference is? It's 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 not the the word divisive is not the wrong part. It's the reasoning for the for division. That's why Paul talks about having of same mind and the same perspective from the scriptures. And this is why also at the same time Paul talks about don't focus on, I am a follower of so-and-so, or I was bapt baptized by this person, which we're going to mention. Oh, actually I won't mention it, but I'll show you, I'll tell you where those, where he talks about baptism because now the ideology of your mind and your heart is planted in the person and not Jesus and not the gospel message. We see that, in my opinion, more often, and it's a very strong spiritual abuse because not only does it give that pastor or that group power, but now they think they have the power to teach whatever they want. One of my best examples of this, if you did more research, is Elevations Church Pastor Steve Furtick. If you went and, and looked up people who talked about their experience in elevation, whether as a volunteer, a part of it, or a member, that when the reasons why they left, you would be kind of shocked 
how much power a person has versus the God or the Bible or the scriptures. I really think one of the battles I see more right now out of everything, because, you know, I can describe here, these are reasonings why people who don't pay attention to these people or groups that are fighting for truth and don't side with them, a lot of times there's a counter offer that's going on in the background that we don't know about. Like, I, I don't really know all the answers to that because I've never been on that side, so I don't know what they got for them false witnessing or lying or saying things that weren't true to get someone out because it could be money, power and recognition, fear. Uh, I know there's pastors out there who try to get rid of other pastors out of their church because they're afraid of losing their job. And instead of focusing on building that pastor to be more, and even if you were to lose your job, you can find another job. But the idea is that fear of losing the comfort that they had. Second, and then, and then, then you have like, there's human expectations and then there's God's expectations. And a lot of times the human one wins because humans see what they want and they try to get that. And the only way to get that is get rid of a group of people taking away that comfort, that, uh, what they think is loving care. They don't want to lose the person. Like they're willing to fight over worldly things of the church versus protecting the truth of the gospel. And then there's people who blindly support the leader. This, I think, out of everything, is probably the most common thing that I see with spiritual abuse. It's leaders who have been placed... Usually, unfortunately, it's the pastor, but they've been placed in that form of leadership who have allowed power of their mouth their, their dress, their look, their charisma, their money, whatever it may be to dictate what they, like to me, entertain towards their members. We see this more. I mean, a lot of times it's a little bit easier when we think of people like Copeland or Joel Osteen. We, we automatically, oh, you know, we can see that or Benny Hinn. You know, first things in our mind is, oh, they just want money. You know, they're talking about, oh, you can gain money. All you do is have enough faith. Like, we can picture that. But it's harder when we think of Bethel and we think of Hillsong and we think of Elevation Church. We think of Transformation Church. Because we see these people who want to do all this good stuff for everybody else. And they want people to discover that same goodness, too. Because... People like that feeling. We've my, my wife and I were looking at with people liking certain things that we put out for for the ministry or uh, like scriptural message of the day or whatever. And we noticed the ones that stood out mostly kind of have this feel good feel emphasis because of how they interpret the scripture. I want you guys to be clear. We're putting it out because the scripture's meaning actual in the context that it's being used 
But when you read it without using the contents of what it's being used for, people use it as a self-help encouragement to live every day. And if you actually pay attention, like if you were to go on uh, version, if you were to go and look at some of the other churches that like Bethel, Elevation, Transformation, and uh, Hillsong, you will see that a lot of times what they put out for scriptures, what they put out for statements, what they put out for encouraging words of the day. I mean, even Caleb, they, they're, 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 their thing throughout the day there. I think it's like three times a day. They put the encouraging word for today or whatever. And they say it like three or four times throughout the day. And they just pick out one verse. And then sometimes the person is speaking actually uses the verse in context, but majority of the time it's just, it, it's their interpretation and how they feel about the verse versus the actual meaning of the verse. You see, we hear this all the time, every day. And then when we start talking about stuff that's more real, what we get is people who get abused and kicked out. And then there's other types of abuse. Here's the other half of the abuse. And sorry, I was getting into that because I, I mean, the thing is actually, I don't know, because I don't know if God's going to want me to speak on this more, but I'll tell you just real quick. Another form of the abuse is the wolves that get inside the church, the false teachers. They use people. And the second half, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but they use people. And once those people are useless, a lot of times they get thrown aside. Now, here's something interesting of the connection to all this that I want you guys to think about is that cults do similar things. You see, to me, when a church is kind of walking away from teaching the gospel or talking about sin and all about being good, about being loving and caring and, and that you just need to have more faith, you just need to have more faith... It's starting to lean to becoming a cult and not a church. Because the ideology is not for the gospel message. The ideology is not for the truth. It's not about telling people about Jesus. It's talking about their version of Jesus, who's a loving, loving man who loved Jesus and loved everybody. And just like he gets us are being more bold about creating Jesus as an activist. You see that the imagery that's going on is creating this exploiting of the truth. And so when people who want to serve God, who want to love God, who want to follow God, who want to be, you know, involved in the church, want to do all this stuff, these people that are above them, they're trusting them. And those people's agendas aren't for them. Their agendas are for themselves. And so they abuse those underneath them. Take advantage of people's money. Take advantage of people's time. Take advantage of people's situations. Because in a lot of cases, what I've also noticed is that people in leadership that have these problems of exploiting their members don't know how to deal with members that are struggling. They only know how to deal with members that aren't struggling very well, and they definitely know how to deal with them when they have money. But when you have someone that, you know, 
as a minister who is supposed to be ministering, see someone who's hurting and you could go up to them and you can try to do everything to pray with them, comfort them, listen to their story, help them, encourage them, build them up. That's what you're supposed to be doing. It shouldn't take someone else to tell you, maybe you should pray for them right now, pastor. Hey, hey, Bob, the deacon, have you checked on this person in the last few days? You know, they, they're about to go bankrupt and you know, anything can happen. Hey, ladies that set up, you know, dinners and stuff, you know, this, this single mom is trying to make ends meet. She's about to lose her business. Have you put her on the list? You see, the thing is what I see a lot of more spiritual abuse is amongst the members towards each other because all they want is feel good moments. I've, I can't imagine how much more, but I've seen it several times how a member who lost their car or lost their job or their daughter ran off with a guy and now is pregnant or they lost their wife to cancer and how the church had not got behind these people. And it's sad. And this is throughout the years. This is not like just one church. This is throughout the years where I've seen where instead of helping people because there's a stain, they try to remove the stain and don't want to help them. How many youth pastors who are struggling to have start a family and getting paid hardly anything and they have to drive these cars that maybe last a few years to a few months and being told that they want them to stay loyal to this church and the youth group for five to seven years without raising them at all pay. Or if they do very little and then tell them Oh, well, you know, these older people have handled, you know, less than you as the excuse of why they don't pay him well as they pay the senior pastor twice as much. This, this is not loving. This is not this is abusive nature, in my opinion. And, and like the thing is that when I hear pastors tell other people, oh, well, you're a pastor, you're going to be poor. I look at them like shaking my head because who's saying that they have to be poor because that's what I was taught in middle school and high school pastor's going to be poor you're going to be poor you're going to be poor I'm not saying I'm rich because I'm not but you know what I'm rich in God because I've gotten to see what God can do when I had nothing or hardly anything at all I got to see God bless in ways that you would never expect. And to me, looking at that image, that picture of the difference between spiritual abuse and when people are really focused on God, it's amazing. It's beautiful. And I think the two are very connected because the thing is that struggle that struggles happen most with people who are trying to stand up for truth or trying to do the right thing and then get exploited or hurt by those that they trust. 
is where they go after this point. We're going to take a quick break and talk about that right after. See you right after the commercial. Hey, Warriors, welcome back to the second half. I kind of felt like the Lord was kind of leading into another perspective, but at the same time, he was trying to show that trusting in, see, I think even trusting in him through a lot of this stuff that's going on with a lot of you people. This is why this discussion could probably be another continuation of talk because there's a lot of different pieces to it because there's the getting exploited and, and abused to what happens after. And I think that's what I might have to talk about this next, like the next week, because that's where I'm more at now than where I was. So anyway, the second half is going to be more, let's talk about what this abuse really looks like. Exploiting. Now, exploiting is, if you're a gamer, we know what exploiting means. It's, it's, it's something that shouldn't be done, but we use it to try to get something out of it, like an advantage. Now, does this happen in churches? Absolutely. Have churches been... Have they fired people for it? Yes. Have churches disappeared from it? From it? Yes. Because there is sometimes we're humans, we make mistakes, we make choices, and things can happen. But I also think people get exploited by the church for the money that you might have, for the time you might have, for the abilities you might have, for, um, I mean, you could just name a list and keep going what exploiting could look like money explo exploiting in the sense of hey you know we're gonna go and spend three million dollars to build this brand new church and we know that you guys can you know bring the money to pay for it instead of it being is this what god wants they they like i will say the number one other thing i hear a lot too is if before we get to there so because this is a form of exploiting so you got the money and they're like, Hey, you can pay for all this. And this is why we're doing it. You got to be really careful with that. Now, if the whole church is in agreement that they want to take on this type of loan and that they want to spend that type of money to build a church, then that is between the church leaders and God, because they've all made this decision to do that. See, I think there's a difference. So there's also exploiting where you got to be mindful when a pastor s starts saying a lot that God told me and like it's a secret versus God leading him to say something or to do something. Because if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's going to ask you to do things. There is no doubt. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor or a member. If you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading, he's going to lead you to do things. And secondly, the Holy Spirit is going to give you discernment about people and maybe noticing some gifts that they have and they can point, they want you to tell that person to point it out to them. Okay. However, if you listen to, I think it's, I forget what his full name, but Prince, whatever that guy is, he's always talking about how he gets these like direct lines from God about certain things. But it doesn't seem like anybody else in the church has it. It's, you know, I'm the I'm your pastor and God speaks to me. 
And I always teach God does speak to me, but he can also speak to you. It's, it's not, I don't, it's not something I have that you can never have. It's building that relationship with him, trusting in him and paying attention. Sometimes I make mistakes. Now understand this. Sometimes I may jump the gun on something or I may push something to be there that God's like, Hey, I didn't ever said <clears throat> that we're ready to go there yet. And then sometimes I wait too long because I'm like, I want, okay, Lord, I want you to show me. And it's like, that's what I'm trying to tell you. It's like, it's not something secretive that only I can get when I'm in my closet and the lights are off and God speaks to me and only tells me and no one else knows. In fact, you know, a lot of times when God has spoken to me, I, one more thing I talked about this not too long ago, test the spirits. Make sure that the so-called spirit that is presenting itself is the Holy Spirit and not, you know, the enemy trying to get you to not pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Anyway, so pictures of abuse. Another one is getting rid of people that question. I, that's probably the number, of, I would say number two thing I see a lot. As soon as someone questions something in the church, because the church has always done something, suddenly now that person becomes the enemy. You're, you're divisive. You're divisive. Another one is make members feel that this church is the only church that is right. And I can tell you this, I've been in a church that made you feel like that was that way, even though their intention may have not have been, but at the same time implied that any other church that allowed CCM music in it has been compromised by the enemy. Or they allowed dancing, it's compromised by the enemy. Or uh, they went to movie theaters, it was compromising. I, I understand that feeling of what it feels like to be only church, but there are churches out there who think they're the only ones that have figured it out. And any other church that doesn't do it their way is going to go to hell or is wrong or is teaching all those people false theology. And you have that view. And then you have teach the unity means you do not question the pastor or anyone who has a degree. I honestly think that's one of the pushes why some churches say you need to have your seminary. You need to have your degrees. If you don't have your degrees then you can't be a pastor. Well, why I have a bachelor's I, and I've had a lot of elementary high school Christian education. Why do I need a seminary to be a pastor? And I honestly, I'm not the only one who feels this way. I've met a few people who have thought the same thing and some people who regretted going to seminary. So why is it that the only way someone could take you seriously is if you have the appropriate degree? Oftentimes it's pride. There's a lot of pride in, in, in having a piece of paper that says you're a pastor versus someone who has the gift of being a pastor. Another one is preach from the pulpit about an actual situation. Now, this may not be a common feature in bigger churches, but in smaller churches can be used and abused a lot. Where a pastor hears about an argument between two members in the church, sides with one and preaches against the other member and makes them feel dumb on Sunday service. Sadly, this is a very true thing, even though sometimes it gets used as satire or humor. It is very much a true thing that happens. Gossip. And I'll even add not talking to someone about 
a situation and only making an assumption. Gossip and this other statement I said are very common. Gossip always leads to not the full truth or partial truth or actual lie that gets accepted as being the full truth. The same thing with something that goes on because someone else was doing it and everybody just assumed that you were for it without actually talking to you about it. This actually happened to me personally where I was learning about youth ministry and I was just getting into it and it was what geared me into wanting to go to school to get my bachelor's, right? Uh, the, pa- the youth pastor I trusted um, was teaching emergent church stuff in the youth group without actually telling anybody in leadership what was going on. I left for one year to go to school, came back and decided, you know, hey, I want to really invest my time in my, in my, in my home family church only to come back to start having people treat me as an outcast. Never knowing why. I kept on trying, but I kept getting like the stink eye from parents, stink eye from uh, the board. Well, technically they're deacons. Uh, Stink eye from, I I thought it was a pastor friend of mine who actually almost like treated me as if I was a part of the whole thing, leading it and and raising the flag for it. Without, not a single one of them came up and asked me, hey, did you know that so-and-so was doing this? And I would have said, no, I don't even know what that is. And I discovered years later what it was. I put the two and two together and I started doing studies and research and I have a lot of research, which is also very much connected to the current progressive movement going on in churches with new age and wokeism, activism, whatever you want to call it. It's all connected. You see, I'm sure there was gossip, never heard of any of the gossip, but I found out later because of a youth pastor friend who was a pastor in that church telling me that they had made an assumption without talking to me. And he, after he had spent time talking to me, he realized I had nothing to do with it, but they didn't listen. And so I ended up leaving that church after being a part of the church for six years and, you know, helping with a lot of church stuff and very much, you know, connected to a lot of people who didn't even want to talk to me anymore. So badly that when I came back and my wife and I were trying to get married, no one showed up to our, um, what do you call it? Or the bride and groom to be, have like a party to kind of celebrate the engagement. No one showed up from the church. Um, and even at the wedding, a lot of people I thought who were my friends left quickly after who are part of the church. So that's what happens sometimes too. And even the last big situation I had, uh, lies were said to get, to convince people that I needed to go. Even though I know God was involved, people were still doing things they were supposed to be doing and it was wrong and it was lies. So the thing is, these are methods of spiritual abuse because what happens in a lot of these situations is they use scripture to abuse the situation or exploit it or to control it or to get what they want out of it. And then when people try to stand up for it, 
stand against, you know, stand against it for the truth. A lot of times they're the ones that get burned. You know, because we can go and look. One of the things that it's in First uh, Corinthians 1, 10 through, I think it's just 10. Yes, yeah, as I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no div divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Because if you read on past that is when he talks about how people were using, I was baptized by so-and-so. I followed Apollos. I followed Paul. This is where that whole discussion's at. <clears throat> and that's the point. We need to remember we're followers of Christ. And a lot of times what happens is we become followers of the pastor of the church or the leadership or the church itself. We blindly support these human aspects of church as the authority of scripture versus the authority of scripture that should be leading over all the church and the members. And then we go to Philippians 2, Philippians 2, verse 1 through 5, it states, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. When, you know, think about those two verses. And then verse three, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also in the interests of others. Have this mind among you, among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus. We need to have a clear understanding that what ideologies we stand for and protect in the church needs to be biblical. There are so many different pieces I can get more involved in talking. Like I know that one of the things that was getting pushed when I was getting kicked out by the other church slowly was I wasn't working with the wolf. That I wasn't working with the wolf, giving her a chance, giving her an opportunity that I wasn't, I need to learn how to, you know, here is some methods and ideologies that you can learn to work with someone and, and blah, blah, blah. And the thing is what bugged me are these people that were trying to give me this advice were people who are blindly falling for her problems. It hurt because I thought these people were my friends. It hurt more when they believed what she said. A lady who's only been there three months versus me who's been there for two and a half years by this time, or a little bit more than two and a half years. You see, the word humility comes out of all of this. First half, we talked about how fruit, the fruit we see, the fruit, the behaviors of the leaders, the members there's fruit bad fruit is not going to be biblical good fruit is going to be biblical but beside the fruit 
There's also humility. Humility is not selfishness. Humility is not making it easy for yourself. Humility is not finding a way to get rid of somebody because you're afraid you're going to lose your job. Humility is not getting rid of a problem because you don't want to have a stain. Humility is not saying I'm right because I'm the pastor. I'm the one who's anointed, which is a very common theme. Oh, but he's anointed, but he's anointed. Just because you're anointed does not mean you can't be disobedient like King Saul and lose it. There are so many things, you know, as I went through going through that I saw, which were more exploitive and abusive and manipulative, which I think is another perspective. A person who has humility will not be manipulating people for their gain. I saw that all. Other people have seen it too. When a church decides that they rather join themselves with another church out of fear that they may disappear. But the other church they want to join with is very progressive and members of the church try to fight to say, no, we need to stay true to the truth. And they get rid of those people so that they can make the sale happen or whatever it is that they do to join. Or you see other churches take on activism to try to gain membership or other churches who fall for it activism thinking that's true gospel message that they've got it all wrong they've messed up and now they need to, excuse me need to ask, ask forgiveness for their part for being blinded by the whiteness of america or the whiteness of the church You have people who teach that self-help. You just got to find the spirit within you, the energy within you, the courage within you. It's there. Or they get into emotionalism and new ageism. Thinking that, you know, we need spirit guides or people to guide us in our in our lives. We need to have these spiritual awakenings within us and in our hearts. But all you need is the Holy Spirit. You need to spend time in God's word. You need to obey. And you need to do what he asks you. You need to trust. You need to put others in front of yourself. It's not about self-health, health, wellness, spiritualism. Emotionalism is... like The thing is, I, I got to clear about this, that emotionalism is not that you don't feel the Holy Spirit movement in you. Emotionalism is when you follow the emotions of it and not the actual scriptures of truth to do something. There's a lot of things that are out there that could be defined as spiritual abuse. From the individual who's trying to stand out from truth to a group of people trying to find God. And so a movement creates this atmosphere that fits the emotion of the desire versus teaching the truth.
it's really hard these days to figure out how to stand up for abuse. It's it's really hard and doing it with the church when there is a, a I don't even know what the word would be, but a governing ideology of what a church is supposed to look like. This is one of the reasons why my wife and I want to do Echo Life Ministries as a discipleship discipleship resource for churches. A lot of the discussions like I'm having with you guys on the podcast will probably be actual discussions we actually have for classes. Because spiritual abuse is a very common theme where people who see something wrong say something and because it's a leader or a member that is loved, the church protects instead of speaks against or talks to that person. I mean, how many times have we been hearing about uh, sexual sins that are coming out and the, the, the pastor or leader that is involved just asks forgiveness, everybody forgives them. But then when the person who was the victim speaks up, they treat them like they are a scar or a problem. Or it could be 20 years of this memory that this victim had to hold on to. And, and to be clear, it's when that pastor was an adult and they were a minor. I've heard a story about that. See, there's things out there that I, that I hear. So the thing is, we are supposed to be in a mindset of redeeming and forgiveness. But there's a difference when there's a group of people trying to hide to protect the anointed from an issue that they made a mistake because of a bad choice they made because they drank too much or they allowed their sexual sin to take over or they allowed the abuse that they went through never dealing with it. That's why I'm saying there's a lot of problems here. There's a lot of things that goes on that it's not just simplistic answers. There's, there's issues. There's like spiritual abuse from someone else is because they may have been abused growing up. And that's, it's kind of like a passing down mythology that they have taken to how they deal with their problems. And that has to be in us to reflect on that too. Cause we always talk about a lot of times how we treat our kids, how we treat our wives, how we treat people we work with, how we treat our boss. It can be a reflection of the anxiety or past abuses or issues that we've never dealt with by actually giving it to God and learning to forgive person doesn't mean you're going to necessarily forget, but Lord help me to not treat people like this because I know what happened to me when I was bullied so much. It's, it's that, my, that, that type of thought. And so as we speak on spiritual abuse, there's a lot of parts to this that we could probably talk further on but we got to understand the two things that we got to notice about spiritual abuse is the fruit that's being bore. Is it biblical? Is it biblical? And are the people who are involved in humility to God, to the scriptures and to the truth? Cause like I told you a lot of times what we see as a form, a good protection can actually be just an exploit 
<coughs> or, a, or a way to remove someone from the situation so that there's not the stain on the church when we're supposed to be redemptive and rejoice when someone is repentive and wants to return who wants to walk with the truth and get right or when you're in a church that seems to be going very progressive and there's people trying to stand up against the truth which side would you side on? The church that you were brought up for 20 years? Or the guy who's saying, this is not biblical. Why don't you do research yourself to see if maybe that guy could be right? I mean, here's the thing, guys. God had prophets back in the Old Testament when they spoke against Israel. How many of them were killed or exiled or ignored or told to leave? That might be a good Bible study for you for yourselves. How many of the prophets were actually heard? And then what happened to Israel when they didn't? So that's going to be all for today. Um, I hope this is helpful. Uh, I hope this is a little bit encouraging. Like I said, it's, it's a little bit better for me because now I'm, I'm more on the stage of like aftermath of being hurt and, and healing more now than I was when I first probably talked about it. So let's pray. Dear Holy Father, thank you for this time. I ask you blessed. I ask you help anybody who's probably in spiritual abuse may not even know it, or if they know that they are, let them know that there's hope that you, as long as they stay honoring to you, as long as they stay loyal to your, your truth and keep fighting for that truth, even if it may be hard, which is probably what we need to talk a little bit about next week too, as well, even though it may seem hard and, and, and it just like, there's no answer. You are the answer and you have a plan and that you may need to remove them put them somewhere else because you have to deal with those that aren't listening. I pray Lord that you use this to encourage and bless. And I pray in Jesus name. Amen. I hope you guys have a great week and I will see you next time. God bless. <laughs>